The storming of the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday was a dark day in U.S. history. We once again ask the question of how much responsibility rests on the social media companies that have allowed figures like President Trump to foment enough rage to enable such an act. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this is our social media reporter, Queenie Wong. Welcome, Queenie. Thank you for having me. It's been quite the crazy, exhausting week. Yes, I, I really actually wanted to get you on earlier, but I knew you were so busy covering the story, I didn't want to bother you. So I'm glad you were able to, to come on today. Um, so let's let's talk about it. Facebook and Twitter have, to their credit, they've been a lot more proactive over the last several weeks, really since the election, in flagging Trump's social activity. But Wednesday's violence seemed to be a real turning point. Run through some of the steps they've taken to to you know, outright block Trump in some cases. So I think it was interesting because you saw content moderation happen in real time. And initially, Facebook and Twitter did what they usually did with Trump's posts and tweets, which was add a label to them, which, you know, experts have said in the past they felt was not very adequate um, to his claims of voter fraud. And then you saw Twitter limit the reach of his tweets, um, like stopping people from retweeting his tweets and um, sharing them. And then eventually you saw the companies remove the posts. And that was, you know, as violence continued to break out on Capitol Hill, they took the even stronger step of locking Trump's accounts, which prevented him from tweeting or posting on Facebook. Facebook said the lock was indefinite, and Twitter said that he had to delete three violating tweets, and after that, there there would be like a 12-hour lock period, and once that ended, he could tweet again. So how unprecedented is this? The, you know, the fact that Facebook said Trump's account would definitely be locked down for the next two weeks, but also really called it indefinite, which suggests there isn't an end date. Like how, how unprecedented and how big of a deal is this? It's a really rare step by the social media companies because in the past, especially with Facebook, the company has had a mostly hands-on, hands-off approach to political speech. They've exempted politicians from fact-checking and their rationale has been political speech is already heavily scrutinized and the public should have the right to see what the president is saying. And Twitter has taken a much tougher stance, but... Um, they have something called a public interest notice where they will limit the sharing of the tweet and say that it violated its rules, but you could still see the tweet if you click through the notice. But this time, both of the companies locked Trump's accounts and pulled down his tweets because they said, you know, the risk of violence was much greater than public interest. These steps, uh, as you know, they're a big deal and it's a big change in practice, but is it too little too late for these companies? In many sense, yeah, it was because the violence had already broken out. They were given a lot of warning signs before and they didn't take stronger action until after violence had broken out. And so the companies got criticism from politicians, um, including former uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, um, civil rights activists, journalists saying they should either take stronger action or that this was really something that they should have done a lot sooner because at this point, damage has already been done. Right. 
So let's talk about the role that social media has played in radicalizing people. How did all this online content motivate people enough to actually travel all the way to D.C. and storm the Capitol building? So Trump himself and his supporters were promoting this um, rally online. Like it was no surprise that there was going to be a big rally on uh, January the 6th. And he's been pushing these um, baseless claims of election fraud since, you know, Joe Biden was declared the winner of the next of the presidential election. So he's been sort of riling up his supporters um, by saying the election has been stolen. Um, And even before the violence broke out, there were already stories and researchers who pointed out that there, there were calls for violence on various social media platforms. And some of it was in, you know, social media sites where there's a large conservative base. So it's more of an echo chamber. And so it's just a lot of anger being filled, fueled by a lot of more anger on social media. Yeah, you actually took a look at some of the content on Parler or Parlay. I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced, but you looked at some of the content there. And that's one of those right wing platforms or social media networks that you talked about. It's a little bit more niche but it does serve as a bit of an echo chamber. What did you find in the content, especially ahead of all the events that happened on Wednesday? I mean, like other social media platforms, there are, you know, really high profile conservatives. Some of them who have been banned from other social media sites, pushing these false claims of election voter fraud. Um, researchers have found that there were also threats on Parler, um, you know, there was this conspiracy theory going around that um, Antifa and other people would be at this rally. So the supporters should bring guns to arm themselves in case. And so I think this was sort of an example of where you saw these, you know, this rhetoric kind of spill into the real world. Yeah. And, uh, did you find in, in sort, of, sort of the reporting and, and looking through some of the content that there was kind of a direct line between all that chatter and, and the commentary and the violence in D.C.? Yeah, I mean, some of it wasn't explicit. Um, like uh, people use like hashtag, like they call for like a s- civil war. They use certain hashtags and even Trump's tweets, he didn't explicitly say like, let's storm the Capitol and like break windows and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, in, in his remarks and even at the, the rally near the Capitol, he said, we must show strength. And that sometimes was interpreted as his, by his supporters in the wrong way. Right. Now, did, in the end, did Gab or Parler or, you know, any of these other social networks take, the steps that Facebook and Twitter did to, I guess, limit Trump's reach? So Parler actually has rules against posting illegal activity, but the company CEO also said that they, uh, you know, rely on this uh, community jury to decide that. And a lot of the base of Parler is conservative, but it's obvious that both of the platforms especially Gab 
um, just based on my correspondence with them, don't view what was being said on their platforms as inciting violence. They have a different interpretation. You know, it's just their view is like, oh, people are just organizing and they didn't do anything wrong and Trump wasn't trying to incite violence. So that was another example of where um, you have different social media platforms with either different rules or different interpretations of what they think should or should not be allowed. Right. And along, in addition to Facebook and Twitter, uh, there were a number of other, I guess, more mainstream or more popular networks um, that took action. I know like YouTube, Twitch, uh, did some things. Talk about what some of these other networks did, uh, and like TikTok. And I know I don't think Trump has a account on TikTok, but I'm just curious what some of these, how these other platforms responded to the violence on Wednesday. So Twitch also disabled his account and so did Snapchat. Snapchat had taken some earlier action against promoting Trump content on their platform. YouTube didn't lock his account, but they, um, you know, strengthened their policy um, to say that if you post videos that say something like, you know, the election was stolen or there's election fraud, then that would be considered a strike. And once you have three strikes, your account will be permanently suspended. So you saw so other social na- networks take similar action. Um, sometimes it was a little bit weaker than actually locking his account. TikTok, they said, as far as they know, Trump does not have an account on TikTok. There's a lot of videos about Trump and politics on TikTok. But they said if, you know, there was any content that incited violence, that would be taken down. But TikTok was also another platform where there were calls for violence even before the storming of the Capitol happened. And, and, you know, one other area you're looking at, I know, is sort of how information about the actual storming of the Capitol uh, or misinformation, I should say, is being disseminated across some of these platforms. Like, what are you seeing, and what what are some of the details that are getting mangled up uh, as as you know they flow through different social media networks? There's even after the um, riot in DC, there's been misinformation about who the people were, um, who stormed the Capitol. Like some, there were these baseless claims that Antifa were dressing up as Trump supporters and, um, they're really the ones behind all this violence. And the evidence is either, it seems questionable or, um, in one case they, kept citing an article that cited this facial recognition firm who said that they identified members of Antifa and that facial recognition firm came out and denied that they ever said that. So there's been a lot of false claims about who was actually at the Capitol um, and people pushing, you know, conspiracy theories that this was all a big hoax and staged. Right. So even after all these steps, there is still a lot of misinformation coming through, flowing through these social networks. Well, Queenie, thanks for your time. Thanks for helping us tackle this very heavy story. You can check out all of our coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. 
For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.